three, two, one. Hey everyone, Walker Lott. Uh, sorry for interrupting the episode. I have to make a special announcement right here. Uh, firstly, we just had our uh, TXPS quarterback retreat this past weekend. It was awesome. We had around 23 quarterbacks come out and participate from around the state. It was a really, really good time, so I appreciate everyone coming out. Uh, there we actually launched some of our TXPS apparel that you'll see here in the hat and some other stuff, so uh, stay tuned for that. But we are here to do a special occasion at the quarterback retreat. Uh, I told Carson Gordon and Dante Lewis, if they one of them win the longest third competition, I will shave, shave off my mustache. Uh, there's not much to begin with, but it is a special occasion. So we are here to do that because Dante Lewis, with a throw of 70 yards, won the uh, longest third competition. So here I am. So... Uh, Hopefully this means something uh, to him. Uh, this hurts everything about me because I was growing this out because I thought this was all right. Uh, but uh, we keep going. We keep moving. Uh, Dante, I guess this this is for you. So. I think that's basically it, right? So, right there. All right, that's it. Dante, you got your wish. Uh, best of luck to St. Thomas in this fall. Uh, thank you for everyone uh, watching this episode. And now, uh, here you go, keep going. Hello and welcome back to another off-season episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. As always, I am one half of your hosting crew, Wes Tollison, and my other half, Walker Lott, appears to be fixated on something in the distance. Walker, what is it exactly that you're looking at over there? Uh, I'm actually looking at our award from a couple years ago and also our brand new hat. Look at this, guys. We got our own merch. We got our own apparel, man. Look at this. So sick. So sick. Absolutely. This is something that we've mentioned. We've been doing a lot of things behind the scenes that haven't exactly been YouTube content, and this is one of them. Um, we are incredibly excited for it. Um, we are going to be launching our own apparel here very shortly. We'll have a shop. We'll have anything that you want to buy from hats to shirts to hoodies. Um, again, number one, it's a fantastic way to support us. We put a lot of work into this and buying this apparel is a great way to show support for what we do and help us keep the operation going. And number two, we're not just like making this apparel to, to sell and make money off of. We're putting a lot of time and effort went into designing this, going in and picking brands and shirts that were comfortable and looked nice. And I think we're very proud of what we made. And I think once we, once we give this to all of you and show you and demonstrate what we've done you will enjoy it too so keep an eye out for our first apparel drop we're very excited for that walker they just spoke a ton about our apparel what are your thoughts on what we're dropping yeah i and to add on a little bit this is not just like merch like this is an apparel line that we are starting called txps it is a it's in our own apparel line that's gonna be really really cool that we put a lot of it in uh thought about of what would y'all wear and what would you like to wear and you know luckily we're not too old that we're like we still kind of get fashion trends and stuff like that so we kind of knew what was fire and what was not so uh yeah we, we think this is going to be really cool for all of y'all and we're really excited about it
Absolutely. I've been into streetwear for a long time. Um, I'm not saying that I have a great eye for it or I, I dress really well, but it's just something that it, it's kind of combining two things that we're both very passionate about being nice clothing and also what we built with TXPS. So all that being said, please keep an eye out for that. We are so incredibly excited to launch that and you will see it hit the shelves soon, not on Walmart, but we will have uh, we will have our own our own website dropping it. But all of that being said, Walker, the apparel drop is not the only reason we are here today. We are here primarily to preview TAPS Division 1 and the teams that make it up. It is hard to believe that we are already getting into divisional previews. It is Friday, July the 7th in the year of our Lord, 2023, and we are rapidly approaching the season. And as always, Division 1 will get the first crack at it. Now, this year we will get to all four uh, TAPS divisions and both SBC divisions. I know we only went Division One, Division Two, and TAPS last year. We now have a schedule how we're going to get these things out, and we will do it. But Walker, before we unveil our our preseason rankings for Division One, do you have any thoughts just just on a on a general overview on the state of of Division One? And because in the last in the last two years, it shifted dramatically, no doubt. And I think uh, th- it's another kind of shift maybe this year. Uh, some of the you know. Parrish loses a four-year class that won four straight titles. Prestonwood loses a pretty big senior class headed by a lot of guys that went and played college college ball. Uh, you know, Nolan Catholic, the head coaching, and kind of that regime under Coach Bowden is kind of now regressed and they have kind of left behind of everything that, you know, is in the past. So, uh, it's now a new age for Nolan Catholic, and we're going to see how that's going under – we'll talk about it more of them later. And some other guys, Central Catholic loses – is finally kind of done with the class of the Silas Gomez, is the kind of the big names on that Central Catholic team. You know, and it's going to be interesting. We'll talk more about it, all these teams later, but, like, it's the, the – some storylines are shifting away with some of the progression of some of these teams. So it's exciting to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's it's a shift without a doubt. And we will we will see how all of these things are going to unveil. But we're going to start by analyzing District One, also known as the North, also known as the dominant district in the past, well, the past as long as I can remember, taps football. And let's not waste any time and get straight into the TXPS preseason rankings of Division One at District One. We're looking at Parish Episcopal at number one. No surprise there. Prestonwood Christian at number two. Bishop Lynch at number three. Trinity Christian Addison at the fourth spot. And Nolan Catholic making up spot number five. In terms of how this stacks up last year, both Parish and Prestonwood also finished first and second respectively last year. TCA finished third. Nolan finished fourth. And Lynch finished fifth. So we're seeing, we're anticipating a big jump from Bishop Lynch this year, Walker. They didn't win a single district game. They finished fifth. However, they knocked off Central Catholic in the playoffs last year. So it's kind of, that kind of feeds into that old adage, the North has always been more dominant than the South. Number one, what are your thoughts on our overall rankings? And number two, kind of give the people an explanation of why we think Bishop Lynch is going to take another step. Yeah, you know, uh, TCA had a really good year last year. They competed well with a lot of teams, but you lose that kind of the class of the Chance Snyders, the uh, Cody Polks, uh, and you also lose two big transfers to rival Prestonwood and Takashi Shaw and uh, um, and Jack Harwell. So having kind of your kind of your star players 
either graduate or transfer out, I mean, that's going to hurt any team. So, uh, and you know, Lynch didn't really have that factor this year and just got uh, older in some of their talented guys. So I think it's going to be a recipe for success for Bishop Lynch. And I'm excited for to see a guy like legend Howell kind of take the reins even more and uh, boost the, this Bishop Lynch team. Yeah, exactly. I'm also very excited to see the steps that sophomore quarterback legend Howell takes. He was obviously so proficient as a freshman. And we forget how young that is. That's like 14 years old. It's ridiculous. But I think sophomore legend Howell is going to take a big step. I think senior Godswill Giadolo and junior Ty Bradley are both going to make huge contributions for this team. Also, senior wide receiver P.J. Washington, the transfer from First Baptist, was somebody I was really, really high on um, when I watched Bishop Lynch's practice. I think he might he 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 might make a case for the best receiver in that district. Um, and that, that's some big – that's some big words coming from me in a district with Parrish and Prestonwood, but I think he might make a case for that. All that to say, you know, we're taking a team that didn't win a single district game last year and putting them at third in this district. You know, it's a, it's a large jump. However, I think it's, it's one that me and Walker think is justified and, you know, we'll have to wait and see until the season starts to see if it's true, but I think it's, I think it's warranted. So following our discussion on Bishop Lynch at uh at third let us let's just start at the top um let's start with parish parish is the undisputed number one although it might be it might have taken a smidge more consideration than in years past although let's be real walker we both looked at the district and put parish number one without thinking a whole lot about it prestonwood is is closer in the preseason they've been in the past few years however we'll talk more about them in depth following the discussion with parish Walker Parrish, as you said, obviously loses a lot. However, they still have a ridiculous amount of talent. What constitutes them landing the number one spot yet again? I think you have to talk about uh, the top guy, Daniel Novikov. I mean, he's made a recipe for success and a culture that is set for not just the past four years, but in the you know, in the in the uh, Preston Stone era as well, where uh, it was it was they just dominant and they've. You know, they've recruited really well the DFW area in the past couple of years, and they've done it again with these uh, kind of some new transfers, especially from interdistrict rival Prestonwood to Caleb Bauer, so who's going to be a key asset for that linebacking core um, with Parker Meese. Uh, so that's going to be huge for them. And, you know, you talk about the Daniel Novikov led offense. I mean, one of the best in the state, regardless of private school or public school, that offense just keeps on rolling every single year. And it's also adaptive to where, you need you have a running back like Andrew Paul. You'll run the ball too many times to where he has two thousand yards rushing. Or when you have Sawyer Anderson as a sophomore, able more to be more comfortable, you can pass the ball a little bit more. So it it adapts so well to the guys they have, which is what with the best offensive coordinators really do. Um, so yeah, as long as you have Daniel Novikov at the helm and you have the talent around him, I mean that's going to be a recipe for success. And there's no better quarterback in private school than Sawyer Anderson at the helm. And having the weapons like Hutch Crow and new South Lake Carroll transfer Jalen Pyle, uh, Bryson Fields, Maddox Reed, I mean they're going to be have a recipe for the success on the offensive side. They have one of the best offensive lines in Taps and all the private school and then all the state, uh, led by Sam Lou the. Uh, Louisiana Monroe commit is it that what do you is that where you went correct okay so that's a big that's a big commitment to him congratulations to him but uh you know they also have other guys Jacob Bacano uh other guys on that squad Nate Weber 
And we're they're gonna like I said in the preview. If you want to go read that, hint hint, go read our little preview we already did in the article website. But uh, figuring out who that fifth offensive lineman will be this season will be huge. But on the defensive side, they lose a lot. But they're led by Caleb Mitchell Irving and adding Caleb Bowers to that linebacking core again with also DC Crane and other guys, Ty Witte. Uh, they have some really, really solid guys on that defensive line and also overall to where they don't it, they lose multiple, multiple power five guys, but they still have enough talent to where they can compete with the rest of them. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, but you can't count out the talent and the coaching and the culture that is set at Parish Episcopal. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you look at the the back to back to back to back, the four straight state championships. And obviously, when you look at the numbers lost, you look at they're losing 10 out of 12 starters on defense, as you mentioned um, a few seconds ago. However, they they without a doubt have the talent to to replace them. My question is, is the chemistry going to be there? Because it's something we talk about a lot. We see teams all the time that have a lot of talent, but sometimes one guy might not get along with another or they're just a bunch of personalities that aren't super compatible. And it's just um, it's it's just a big question. I don't think Parrish will have any question merging all those guys together because they haven't in the past, but you just never know. Every person's different. That being said, I mean, it's kind of the case that until Parrish gets knocked off, there's there's no way to put anyone above them. I mean, every year they come in with huge aspirations and every year they overcome and outdo themselves. And I really am looking forward to see with the pure amount of talent that Parrish fields, how they're going, how they're going to navigate this season, how they're going to do overall. Let's take a trip down the road to Plano and look at Plano Prestonwood, who we have slotted at the number two spot in our rankings. Prestonwood went three and one in district last year, only lost being to Parrish, who they lost to twice. The second time being in the state championship, neither game being particularly close. Just tells you how good Parrish is. But we slotted Prestonwood at number two this year. And although they lose some very talented athletes, they're bringing in a lot of talent as well. And I think... I'm going to go out on a limb. I think this Prestonwood team is going to be even more talented than they were last year. Um, they're led by they're led by two absolute studs defensively in senior linebacker Hudson Lunsford and junior defensive lineman Jack Harwell, a TCA Addison transfer. Both of those guys are absolute dogs. Both those guys have been at the very least finalists and award winners for our awards. They're both just very, very good. Walker. I could sit here and I could read down every name we have down for Prestonwood. We'd be here all day. What what landed Prestonwood at the number two spot in our rankings? And more importantly, how close do you think they are to Parrish? And what do you think the chances are they could compete for the district title? I think it was it was it was interesting to see because um the the core of Prestonwood last year was run the football. And they did that mm-hmm. a lot with AJ Sibley, uh, 2000 yard rusher. Very, very impressive. Uh, so now you lose McGuire Martin, you lose AJ Sibley and you're like, okay, Oh, you have Brady Bricker. You, he's coming back. He's going to take the reins, the Allen transfer. He now goes back to Allen. You're like, okay, well, they lose a talented senior class. One of the best they've had in a while. You lose your starting quarterback for the next season. What do you do? And, uh, Watching them in spring ball, you they had talent. They had a couple guys. Lutz, Hunsed Lunsford was there. Uh, Gunnar Naviar, Marshall Tucker, Colson Reeves, Enzo Bingham. They had dudes. Caden Collins. 
and you're like, okay, they can compete, but uh, how do you compete with Parrish? That was the big thing, right? Even with Parrish losing a lot, they still have talent. And they answer that, honestly, with the transfer portal, which it's just, it is what it is. Jack Harwell comes in, one of the best, where it was kind of a battle between some of the two Titans in Division One and Parrish and Prestonwood, and he ended up at Prestonwood, who is a, that's a huge win for Prestonwood, which for three straight years, you're going to have one of the best defensive linemen in all taps and Jack Harwell, so that's huge. Um, Takashi Shaw comes with him, who will be fighting for that running back one spot with Katie Collins, I'm guessing, uh, who's one of the our underclassmen of the year finalists, I believe, last year. So that's a huge one. And the biggest one of them all is honestly the quarterback, which was a huge question for Personwood. And you get one of the best in the whole DFW area, top 100 player in DFW in Kellen Tasby. Uh, the transfer from Little Elm, which they actually played last year, uh, who now is committed to Tulane. Kellen Tasby is going to be a great, great quarterback for them. Watch the film. It's very, very impressive. And having the weapons like Shaw, Collins, Navarre, uh, Bingham, and also a new transfer from uh, Lebanon Trail, David Madison, he has enough weapons to compete. And playing a team like Prestonwood, you need elite guys, like Power 5 D1 dudes, to compete with that offense of Prestonwood. And they have that now. And so... I don't think we couldn't knock off Parrish of that spot because until someone knocks him off in game, but Prestonwood has a good chance under Donnie Yantis to kind of compete this year a little bit more than maybe in the past couple of years. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the, the Mbappe meme of like, I'll be there no matter what that Parish Prestonwood game is going to be the game that we circle on our calendars this year. Cause that's going to be one really, really we're excited about. Oh, absolutely. And thankfully I'll be a lot closer um, in the Metroplex this year than college station, the drive from college station, the DFW that I, I, I would make probably about twice a year, three hours round trip, get home about 2 AM. Um, that, that was just an absolute widow maker. Um, and I'm very happy that I don't have to do that this year. And it's very convenient. We'll have one guy and one guy around Houston, one guy around DFW. But all that to say is, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, we will be at the Parish Prestonwood game. That will be covered. That's going to be ridiculous. I mean, the more I look at this roster and the sheer amount of talent Prestonwood's compiled, I, I don't think it's a – I'm going to get in trouble saying this because – Parrish is going to clip this and take it just completely out of context. Well, it won't be out of context because it's what I'm saying, but I don't think you can immediately write off the Parrish Prestonwood game. I think Prestonwood just surely from a talent and on paper standpoint has to have the athletes compete with Parrish this year and at least make it respectable. So we'll see. That's a game that we certainly have circled and, It'll be very interesting to see how it goes down in person. We already talked about Bishop Lynch at our number three spot, so let's go to number four with Trinity Christian Addison. Walker TCA is a team that actually won the TAPS Division Six Independent Championship. I think that was in, yeah, it was in 2021, a couple of years ago. They moved into District 1 with the realignment last year, went 2-2 two and two in District they lost to Parrish and Prestonwood. They beat Lynch and Nolan, so they kind of – they performed very averagely. They beat the teams they should have. They lost the teams that they were supposed to lose to. This year, we have knocked them down one spot to our number four spot, but obviously they have some great athletes like power five talent, Jalen Beckley, the incoming junior offensive lineman, quarterback Aiden Mills, who's a senior, senior defensive end, Luke Dore, and among others. What do you think factors in to our uncertainty to knock them down a spot below Lynch? And what do you think 
the the most likely outcome is for Trinity Christian Addison this season? TCA is going to be a very interesting one because they had a lot. They had a really great senior class that graduated. We talked about it earlier, but the, you also lose kind of your two star young guys and Jack Harwell and Takashi Shaw. So that's a huge loss for TC Addison, one of the best uh, underclassmen athletes in Takashi and one of the best defensive linemen in him and J- Harwell. So how do they replace it? It That's the issue is I don't think you can plus a senior class graduating. That's going to be hard for them. They have two some two great offensive lineman prospects in Beckley, like you mentioned, and I'm a big fan of John Henry, Henry Flat, the six six offensive lineman that I guess will pair pair on the other side of him. Um, Aiden Mills will definitely be happy about that, and I I'm a big fan of Aiden. I think he's a pretty good quarterback in Taps D one, um, and they have other guys like Dylan Eubanks and Luke Dore, but I think with the combination of a senior class that they with a uh, Cody Polk, uh, Chance Snyder, uh, other guys, uh, Luke Johnston. Those guys graduating and then two guys, big guys transferring, it's going to be hard for TCA to recover from that. But they could definitely prove me wrong and some guys can step up. But uh, I think Steve Hayes has a kind of a not a rebuilding year, but a year for them to kind of figure out, all right, where 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 is this team headed for the next couple of years? Especially with a talent like Beckley, you only have two more years of them. You need to use them as much as possible. So uh, you need to get the best amount where you can get a running back behind him and let Beckley just run the football as best as he can block as good as he can. So um, that's kind of the next steps for TCA is kind of seeing where they can go from here. But uh, yeah, I think it's just too much that they've lost to hurt them this year. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think, I think our ranking right now is just based off uncertainty. I'm not saying TCA is first of all fourth in this district is is not a is not a slide at all. This is a very very hard district, and quite frankly, and I'm going to tread carefully when I say this, but fourth in this district could probably translate to like second in the South. You know, it's I'm I'm not trying to dog on the South, but traditionally the North has always been a lot better. But yeah, it's just kind of uncertainty. We know that they have some athletes, but we're going to have to see how they play together. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish maybe in that three spot, but I really do think with just the gigantic imposing figures that are Parrish and Prestonwood, the top two are out of the question for TCA. I think they could finish third if they if they make some moves, but I think I think fourth is probably the very most likely landing point for them so moving on into the basement of district one we come to the curious case wow. of no that's Catholic. wild that is okay. wild i'm okay. gonna call you out on that that is absolutely horrendous of you to say that I, I didn't mean it like that it's just it's it's very true it's the last spot it's the seller i mean i'm not trying to dog on nolan catholic keep in mind back in 2021 i picked nolan catholic to beat parish at parish and they let me down so this might be a little bit of, of revenge there but you know it's a curious case of nolan catholic it seems ever since ever since Bowden went out the door and that absolute fireball that that was um they just haven't really gotten back together you for some people forget this is the same Nolan team that played for the state championship back in 2020 and that beat Parrish uh in district in 2020 with just some absolute monsters you know now the more I think about it Walker the more I think Prestonwood is becoming what Nolan used to be do you think that's an accurate I I no, because I think Prestonwood is going back to what Prestonwood used to be. That's a good point. Yeah. So I think Nolan, I forgot. I think we talked about it a couple like on the last episode or the episode before, where 
and private school, you have an influx of like a rise and a fall of a lot of different squads over the years. And I think Nolan, that was just their time. And Nolan's always been a prominent figure in private school. So I think they'll get back to it pretty quickly, but it's this, this is, this is a, uh, a free fall. And, uh, but there's good and there's a bright future head uh, for them. And I'll talk about the, the hiring of their head coach, Aaron Maddox, who was the defensive coordinator at Oak Ridge and was a head football coach at Trinity Valley in Fort Worth as well. So he knows the area really well, Arlington, Fort Worth area. Uh, and, you know, Oak Ridge has always been a team that is very impressive. And former Trinity Valley is, uh, I don't know in his time, what was the record, but, um, you know, TBS always had a very good squad over the past couple of years, but Nolan's in an interesting spot and um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where do they go from here is because you, your last prominent kind of boating class was that 2023 class with Antonio Hall and et cetera. Um, and you lose a versatile guy like Antonio, which was kind of like a Travis Hunter type in private school where you can play both he sides. Was. But um where do you go from here? You have Carter Devereaux, who, you know, was the 25 guy that played safety for them last year, but will be the guy at the helm for the quarterback spot. And I believe Robert Jones, the 2025 running back, will be back. Um, so two guys that kind of can lead the new era of Nolan Catholic. Um, I, I don't know how much to say. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see where what guys kind of stand out this year and what uh, guys can Maddox get from around the area if transfers are still a thing at Nolan Catholic because that's a like, like I remember stories back in when I was playing where it was a new guy every week at Nolan Catholic that's what I always heard and so I don't know if you can get that anymore uh, with all the drama in the past couple of years so it's gonna be interesting to see where Nolan goes from here uh, but I think uh, having a guy who knows the area, knows the D- DFW, knows the 817 is a good step in the right direction. And with a guy like Devro and Jones, I think that's c- two guys can kind of make the foundation for a prominent and promising future of Nolan Catholic. I think that's accurate. I think the problem is we're talking about two guys on Nolan Catholic, whereas with Parrish, we're talking about 16. With Preston, we're talking about like 16 the same. And then right. with Lynch and TCA, we're talking about more. I think. You know, I like Aaron Maddox a lot. I think that in time he can get his guys in and build something, just not year one. I I think this is going to be a true rebuild for Nolan. I think they're going to have to they're going to have to prepare to take their lumps this year in district. And again, that that's kind of what happened last year. They went one and three in district, finished fourth, and then just came out and beat Antonian um, after we all said they wouldn't. After Antonian won the South, the second worst team in the North um beat the best team in the south last year in the playoffs so while i do think nolan is going to take their lumps this year once district one and two meet in the playoffs you really don't know what's going to happen there's always just a wide fluctuation of talent and it will be interesting but that being said i I think nolan is pretty securely confined to that to that fourth spot or to that uh to that fifth spot but that being said, a couple overarching questions surrounding um, some quick fire stuff I want to hit on surrounding District 1. The first being, Walker, does Parrish lose a district game for the first time since 2020? Um, I, I I can't bet against Parrish. I mean, that's the first thing. No, but I do think that game is going to be closer than what I think it was last year. That's how I would say it. 
Yeah, I think it's I, I think I would I would phrase it this way. I think it's more likely than it's been at any year since 2020. Um, right. I still think they're going to run the table and then continue running that table all the way until state. But you never know. We're here to speculate. And what what would our show be if we if we just pick talk every time? I think Preston was going to put up a fight at least. Um, the next question, do you think Trinity Christian Addison can take the next step and knock off a top dog, AKA, um, Parrish Preston Wood? Uh, not this year. No, I, I think, I think it's the name of the game, but if I think if you, TCA gets a couple transfers in from somewhere around there and gets a big guy, maybe next year. Yeah, maybe. But this year, I don't think so now. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree with that. I think I think they're good, but I think that that Parrish and Preston Wood are just so solidified at one and two that both those teams there's a there's a decent gap between those two teams and everyone else. And the last storyline pertaining to the North District: Does Nolan win a district game? Um, sure, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, looking into Coach Maddox. I didn't know. I sorry. I did a deep dive off camera like five minutes ago while Wes was talking. I didn't realize how long he was at the coach for uh, Trinity Valley. So he was the head coach when I was in playing all those years in my elementary years. Like he was the head coach over at Fort Worth Trinity Valley. So, um, they they beat us most of the years, but so maybe so uh, if he knows the area well and he has good coaching, then he beat us every year. Maybe he has something in the bag for them. So I, I could see maybe some uh insane game happening. Like what what was it? The Nolan Catholic game last year against Bishop Lynch went to like like uh what was it, like double overtime or something like that or overtime? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Was it the, the first or the second game? First one, I think. Yeah. So you never know, something like that could happen again. So give them the benefit of the doubt, sure. Why not? My answer is no. Uh, I don't think that they will. <laughs> I, I again, I don't know why I've been outed as a Nolan hater on this episode, <laughs> but I mean, it's again, th- there's no hate. And honestly, I think once they get in the playoffs, they could have the chance to pick off a couple of those South teams. But it, it, the North District is so daggum hard, man, and Nolan loses so much. It's just hard for me to see a position where they they succeed mightily this year. But again, I hope I'm proved wrong. Um, I really hope they do well. I like that program a lot. But we will see that actually concludes our discussion regarding District 1, and we will transition, move southward into District 2, comprising of the Houston and San Antonio schools. And what better way to start this discussion than showing our rankings? At number one, Houston St. Thomas. At number two, Antonian. I guess we didn't learn our lesson from last year. At number three, we go to Houston to Houston St. Pius. Number four, back to San Antonio for Central Catholic. And at number five, we have Concordia Lutheran. So, Walker, this I think is is probably pretty close to how we to how we rated them last year. I think we might have flipped Central. Yeah, I think we flipped Central. No, we had. I remember we had Central second. Um, Antonian third and Pius fourth, I think. Uh, we severely underrated Antonian, who with Jace Toscano and Riley Strode produced very nicely. But even though Antonian beat St. Thomas last year at the end of the season, we still have St. Thomas number one. Walker, a quick uh, a quick analysis of our rankings before we start looking at individual teams. Yeah, I think uh, if, it, if if I St. Thomas better be number one for how much talent they have 
and the dudes they have, they should absolutely be number one. And Tony had proved us wrong last year, so St. Thomas better make sure they do not let that happen again. Uh, Antonia is a good squad, and uh, the, the, the Scano stroke connection will still be there again, and it'll be one of the best in all of private schools, so that'll be really good. The Pius Central um, is going to be the interesting one, and the Concordia, um, with uh, we can talk more about them later, but you never know with those guys. They they can make some games closer than expected, but yeah, uh, the Pius Central Concordia, the three four five. I think that's going to be interesting to watch this year. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think you know, I don't know if it's like I think St. Thomas is providing St. Thomas stays healthy. I think they were pretty solidified that number one spot. Um, Antonio's a definite two. However, it wouldn't. I think it's more flux than than Prestonwood is the number two in the north. I think I could see Pius or Central, you know, getting hot and then taking the number two spot, or you know, maybe something happens. And then St. Thomas gets picked off at the end of this year, like they did last year. I don't really know. I think it's, I think while the North rankings are a little more set in stone, I think the South after number one, it could kind of, it, it could change a little more than I think. But let us begin at the very top. Why not with Houston St. Thomas, which I, you could make an argument up there with Parrish and Prestonwood. Uh, St. Thomas might have the most talented roster in Division One. We saw that um, on display at 7-on-7, seven seven, and that's not even talking about guys like Anthony Pellerin and Michael Anthony Okora. But we got to see the famously talented Dante Lewis, the very, very um, talkative Tyler Day, and then Grant Stewart and Luke Edgecombe as well played very well. Johan was not out there competing. He's still... Well, it's not necessarily that he's recovering from the ACL, but it's just like for a guy that's coming off that injury, there's not really any point in doing all that cutting in 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 a in a game that doesn't really matter. That hurts me as an ex receiver to say that about seven on seven, but let's be real, it's it's not real football. But that being said, Walker, uh St. Thomas is the undisputed, I think I can say, number one team in district two. What are your thoughts? Uh quick overview of the roster and and why we have them number one. Man, I think uh, that it's probably the most talented team that St. Thomas has had in recent memory, uh, at least from in my memory uh, of knowing them. It's the, from top to bottom in every skill position, they have everything you really need. And um, linebacking, defensive line. Oh, let's also talk about not on one side you'll have Michael Andrew Okura, but Obina Ume on the other side is going to be one of the most talented 2026 edge rushers in all of all of the state linebacking DBs with Grant Stewart, Aaron Valentine, uh, receivers, Covington, uh, Covington, Edgecombe, Benton. And uh, I want to remember his name and everyone that over at St. St. Thomas will help me out when I remember, but he's the, he, he transferred him from Bel Air high and was a, at six, a Bel Air and was one of their best receivers and transferred into here to be that fourth guy on that receiving core. And, I mean, they make up probably the best receiving core in all of private school. I mean, I I, I would have to look, look go look at other schools, but you could make an argument they have the best receiving core in all of private school. And with the best running back in private school right behind them and two really good guys on the offensive line and Pellerin and the uh, well, the big guy on the left tackle spot, I can't remember his name on the top of my head, but um, 
having those guys with Dante Lewis, I don't know how they don't reach the state championship this year. They are my dark horse to win the state championship. And if there's any year for them to do it, it has to be this year. Like it has to be this year. So uh, I, I I know they understand like what their, the belief is and in this program in which Rich McGuire knows success. So, and they have the fan base behind them. What the, some of the best environments I've in private school, one of them is Houston St. Thomas. It's one of the best environments in all private school. So having that backing, having the team, having the talent, there is no reason they shouldn't do it and shouldn't make the state championship. Now, if they do, because you have the likes of Preston and Parrish, you're going to have to go against. And how, I don't know how the bracket is right now. And it depends on what's who, what team you face, right? Because if you face Parrish in that semifinal or you face uh Preston in that semifinal, that's going to be the interesting thing is what, ma- which matchup do you find more favorable? But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they do it. Um, yeah, I, I, this is the team to be in the South and it should be the team to be like, this is the year. If anyone can shock the world, I think it's St. Thomas to win it all this year. So that you can put that down all the Preston Wood and all the parish people will write that in their mentions and have that ready to go when they beat them, you know, but dude, all the Antonian people will have that. Oh, no doubt too. But yeah, this is the year for St. Thomas to win it all. So it's going to be exciting to see. And my one question before we move on, because if you didn't know, Johan Cardenas will be committing today, July 7th, as we're recording one of these times. So his top two was Vanderbilt and Missouri. Wes, make your prediction. Where is he going to go? I mean, surely if we're deciding between Vanderbilt and Missouri, it's got to be Missouri, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not as versed um, on the depth chart at running back about those schools and, you know, all the questions about playing time and stuff. I'm going to mm-hmm. go. You know what? No, I, I think Johan is a man of he's going to carry the integrity. boat. I, he's going to stop. I, I despise David Goggins. I think that man's a quack. Anyways, I I think Johan is a man of, of academic integrity. So I'm going to actually flip my prediction. I think Johan is going to Vanderbilt. I think I think Vanderbilt overall is a much better school than Missouri, and uh, Johan will understand that. Uh, I'll go Vanderbilt as well. I think that's a good spot. I think uh, you get to go live in Nashville. That's about that's a plus. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to pick Vanderbilt as well. And they also have a really good Texas to Vanderbilt connection they've built in the past couple of years. So I'm going to say they that. They do. It's, it's certainly a better school than, than Texas Tech. It's much nicer than Lubbock. Nobody's throwing batteries at you. And, and yeah, I, I just think Nashville is a much nicer place to be. I might have just said that to uh, to poke fun and rile up at all the West Texas people that watch us. But I'm an Aggie through and through and I have to take my jabs at Tech where I can get them. But uh, all that to say is Johan is going to Vanderbilt. You heard it from me first. Also, I'll say one thing before we get off the subject of St. Thomas. I think we're going to know what kind of team the St. Thomas team is week one, August 25th, when they play St. John's. I think, and you know, that's a bit of a rash statement. Teams are, are dynamic things. Uh, they they change throughout the season. But I think we're going to need to see St. Thomas handle St. John's readily week one if they're going to be prepared to go into district and and take care of number one 
they can't let their eyes get too big and look into the playoffs because they need to take care of the South first. It's something that they didn't do last year. I know Johan was obviously out for that game. I know Tyler Day wasn't 100%. I, I understand that, but they have to stay healthy and wrangle the South before they can start to look towards the Parish and the Prestonwoods of the world. But – you know, I I think that St. Thomas is going to be very good on paper. They're as good as anyone in Division One. They just they need to prove it this year. It, when's the last time a Division One team in the South won the state title? Because the last one I remember that was close was St. Pius, but they lost in whatever overtime to Prestonwood that one year in 2019. And since then, it was Parish, Parish, Parish. So they're probably the ones for the, at least in the past couple five plus years to have a chance to do it. And I hope they understand that. Like, I hope you're getting this when you listen to this and be like, you have the talent and the team to do it. So I hope you have that mindset going into this year because um, Parish and Preston are definitely not backing down and they want it every single year. So I hope you want it too. That's that's have we can you, end it on just that. made St. Thomas, the, the flag bearers for not only every team in the South, but every team in the South, in the history of the South division in division in the, one in the past five plus years. Yes, I have. Good Lord. Okay. Well, you're putting, you're putting a little uh, more undue expectations on them than I think that they were prepared for. But I think um, knowing the guys on that team, I think they'll be more than ready to, to carry that flag and, and try and prove you right. But that was a lengthy discussion regarding St. Thomas. Uh, they, with all the athletes on that squad, they, they deserve it, but we will see how they perform coming up in talking about the district or the yeah the district champion of district 2 last year the Antonian Apaches who went 5 and 0 ran the table didn't even really command our respect until they knocked off St. Thomas and then fell flat on their face against Nolan Catholic in a game that the game that me and Walker finally decided to pick them they they betray us but we have Antonian picked second um with guys like Riley Strode and Jace Toscano who did did Riley win our underclassman of the year in 2022 or 2021 Walker no but i believe he was somewhere close he was a to a finalist yeah. yeah no i just i say that because we've he's been on our radar for a long time Jace Toscano is fantastic too as is running back Michael Moreno um Antonian's one of those schools that will fly under the radar only because they're not in, you know, San Antonio is a big metropolitan area, but in Texas, you have two bigger ones in DFW and Houston and Antonian might go a little bit underrated because of that, but they still have tons of athletes and as displayed, they won district last year. So Walker, we have Antonian at the second spot this year. I think a one spot increase from our preseason rankings last year. What do you what do you have to say about the district champions from last year and their chances this year? Yeah, I think, you know, uh they're a very solid squad. There always are, but you know, you lose a couple guys, and that's gonna be interesting to see how they kind of replace them. You lose, you know, Ricky Gonzalez, one of the best receivers, our receiver of the year in Taps Division One. Uh, you lose guys like Jack for Fertita. Uh, Alex Pruitt, et cetera. And it's going to be interesting to see how they replace them. Um, you know, you, you talked about this guy, Landon Prouty, the transfer from Stevens, who's going to be a guy that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I guess he'll care. He's a running back on huddle. So I guess he'll share kind of with Michael Moreno, but the rally strode, the just Descano connection is going to be the most vital thing for this offense to succeed. They have one of the best offenses always in taps and they're going to have to do it again this year. Uh, but they have guys on the def- defensive side of the ball, Bode Ferguson. I think Michael Moreno plays linebacker as well. 
so they have some guys, uh, but yeah, it's definitely going to need the Toscano Destro connection to work, especially with this guy, Proudy. Um, the office needs to click for them to compete with uh, St. Thomas, and uh, they need to click early so when they get to that St. Thomas game, they can they can show out. So, yeah, I, I think so. I think that will be um, that'll be obviously. I'm trying to think. I think between Antonian and St. Thomas, and maybe Antonian Pius, um, that could be the game to watch in District Two. Um. <laughs> It's going to sound like I didn't learn my lesson from last year. However, I I think that we have them pretty solidly ranked at number two. Um, I'm just I'm trying to think because St. Thomas, we did the same thing last year. St. Thomas is so good on paper, but then Antonian, Antonian did beat them, and that's what we have to go off of. However, I just providing that everyone on St. Thomas stays healthy they should they should be the clear number one i think antonian is great i think they have the chance to be the second team in the south but what hurts them a little bit and this isn't really even our district rankings but overall um is their it was their inability to beat uh the worst teams in the north last year in the playoffs and in nolan um i think i think this year they just they have to number one um, take care of business, beat everyone at least at least everyone except St. Thomas and District. And then once they get into the playoffs, if they get matched up against one of the worst teams in um in the North District, uh, they have to get it done. I mean, there's not really any excuse to lose to somebody that finishes in the bottom two. But that being said, Raleigh Stroh, Jason Scano, Michael Moreno, all fantastic players. I'm looking forward to big seasons from each of them. And I think Antonian is is poised for another really good year. Moving on, staying in San Antonio, we are going to speak on Central Catholic, who we have ranked number four. Actually, that's a lie. We're going to speak about St. Pius. We have ranked number three. I have this slightly out of order on my script. A more prepared host would have would have corrected that before I started speaking, but you know, it is what it is. St. Pius finished three and two in district last year. They finished third in the district behind Antonian and St. St. Thomas. Um, they're led by a senior tight end slash defensive end, Nathan Alvarez, who at 6'5", 260, is just an absolute monster. They also return senior running back Joshua Mitchell, who went for over 1,000 yards last year. You also have uh, incoming junior linebacker slash strong safety Micah Fowler. So the more I looked into St. Pius, I didn't really – I wasn't sure who they had at the top of my head just because, you know, you have certain names that stick in there. A lot of those guys are are from Parrish and Prestonwood and St. Thomas. But the more I looked into St. Pius, the more I realized that there is certainly talent on this roster. Walker, we have them ranked number three in this district, kind of smack dab in the middle. What are your thoughts on St. Pius and their ranking coming into the season? Yeah, I think I was very high on Pius last year with uh, McKeon and uh, some other guys, Logan Donnelly, I believe that's his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other guys, but uh, I, I was very high on them, and they kind of were lesser than I expected. They got third last year, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Pius does uh, this year with a lot of talent. And Pius has a history with the Grand Canal era of having being one of the premier schools in uh, Houston. So I think every every season they're trying to get back to that era, and so. Uh, you bring in Braxton Bees, uh, the new quarterback, but I, from I believe Bridgeland High School. Uh, and you know who went to Bridgeland High School, Wes? I think that was that was Wegman, wasn't it? Atta boy, yes, it there you go. I know some stuff. Yeah, you do. 
So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be I probably the new quarterback there at uh, St. Pius. Uh, but yeah, guys like Chase Stepp, Micah Fowler, like you mentioned, I think you're going to be guys that are going to help this team to maybe compete with that Antonio with, for the second spot. So I think that's where they should be uh, poised to where they should be fighting for that second spot uh, in that district. It would, if they can do that, that's a huge upgrade uh, for the past couple of years for St. Pius. And I think they're headed in the right direction, uh, which I think they are under. Uh, is it What's what's the head coach's name? Cranfield, Greg Cranfield. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think under Coach Cranfield, I think they're headed in the right direction. They have a good culture and they're building on it. And I think having a guy like Alvarez and Mitchell uh, are going to be good senior leaders to lead this team in the right direction. So I'm excited for this team. Um, they have a couple guys that are going to show out. And Pius always has some dudes, man. And uh, I'm excited for this team. If if they can get that second spot district, they should be very, very proud of this season. And I know that's kind of be like, oh, second, second is not, you know, not first. But with a team like St. Thomas in this district, you having a second place is huge for Pius. And if they can win one round in playoffs too, that'd be even, that's even better. So I'm excited for this. I'm this Pius team. They look really good. Yeah, no, that's those are all great points. I, I think it's almost unfair to compare or to hold Pius to a standard with with Chase Lane and Grant Gunnell and all of them, just because I mean that was th- those were with Grant Gunnell mostly. That's a generational talent you have in high school football um, at Pius, and it's just Pius has had great athletes since and Division One athletes like Logan Tanner, um, tight end at at San Diego State right now, but. You know, it's – I will say, it's not going to surprise me in the slightest if Pius finishes second in the district. I know that we have them slotted third, but I think after St. Thomas, there's a there's a pretty a pretty steep um, pretty steep drop. It's no slight to, to Antonio and Pius. It's just that's how much talent is at St. Thomas right now. But we were talking before we got on. I could see spots two, three, and four um, interchange, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. So St. Pius, I think they have the athletes to compete very well in this district. And I think that we're going to see a lot of fight out of the Panthers this season. Moving on into the fourth spot, we have San Antonio Central Catholic, who finished two and three in district last year, also finishing fourth. So we're predicting a similar finish this season. Um, They do lose. They do lose a decent amount of talent, but they still retain incoming junior quarterback Garrett Tyser, who actually I think he started his first game in the game I watched against Bishop Lynch last year in in McGregor, Texas. Um, They also have incoming senior offensive lineman slash defensive tackle in the queues, who's very talented center. Jude Lockin is very good. Wide receiver Aiden Saldana is going to be a a big returning piece for them. And also the incoming senior or the incoming. Yeah, the incoming senior quarterback, Grayson Donald, the transfer from TMI. So we're not entirely sure, Walker, who's going to start yet, I don't think. But those are two very good options to have. Tyser Tyser impressed me a lot, especially with his legs in that playoff game. But, Walker, we have Central slotted at the fourth spot. Um, That's not really a hard fourth. Like I said, I could see them finishing second, third, or fourth. But we will see. What are your thoughts on their ranking and their chances coming into the 2023 season? Yeah, I think we I, I said it earlier of like they're kind of getting out of the the great talent team they had that made the semifinals that one year uh with the Silas Gomez era. Uh and it's not not to say that they don't have guys. I think Nate Hughes is a division one talent. I think he's a really, really good football player. 
and I really like Tyser and Donald from TMI Episcopal. He's going to be a t- guy that is going to come in and it's going to fight for that starting job. So um, they have talent and they have the culture there. Um, I want to say, uh, you know, the head coach over there was going through, was it cancer or something like that? Remission? Yeah, or- yeah, Santiago. Yeah, so I think, you know, that might have been something that, uh, in this offseason, this has kind of been crazy for the team, but having a guy, I think he's now in remission and, you know, maybe he's going to be able to focus back on football. I think that's going to be huge for those guys and maybe gives them a different edge uh, this season. But uh, yeah, I, it, you never know with Central Catholic. Um, I always, I especially like San Antonio last year, they the guys from Central Texas just have a different edge to them, especially in San Antonio, because they maybe have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they're not the DFW or the for, uh, or the Houston area. And they have that chip on their shoulder to kind of prove people wrong. And you never know with Central Catholic, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see how they do this year. I'm excited. Yeah, I think so too. Like I've said probably two or three times in the last five minutes, I think spots two, three, and four are interchangeable. Um, I think Central has the athletes, especially with the, with the two quarterbacks that will be vying for that position. Also, I think at least Tyser is athletic enough that if he's not playing quarterback, he's contributing somewhere else. But I think they have the athletes to compete in that district. So that being said, let us transition. And I'll be fair. I'll say it for the South, too. Let's transfer to the basement of D- District 2, where resides Concordia Lutheran. They went one and four in district last year, finishing fifth in the same spot. They have athletes such as incoming junior quarterback Tanner Huckfelt, senior athlete Lou Lamar, who's an absolute dog, by the way. I turned his tape on um, while I was doing research for this preview, and that dude can play. I'm very excited to see what he contributes. And also incoming sophomore athlete Jaden Jones, the client Oak transfer. So, um, Concordia is in an interesting spot, traditionally a basketball school, very good at that sport. Um, not so much a football power. It's been kind of some some slow progress over the past several years um, and, and a very hard Division One Walker, we have them finishing last again in their division. What are your thoughts on Concordia? And is there any way that they dig themselves out of the fifth spot? Uh, I think you can always, and especially in the, the Taps Division One South, you always can. And, you know, they have a Maybe some momentum, you know, they won their bracket in uh, the 7-on-7 tournament this past couple of weeks in Waco, and maybe they're they're kind of confident going into the season, which they, uh, they've they always had a couple of skill guys here and there, and I think Huckfield's a pretty good quarterback, and he's invited to our retreat for a reason. And like you said, Lou Lamar has been the kind of the guy the past couple of years to kind of be a dog for that team. Um, and having those guys and Jaden Jones, you, they have a bright future ahead of them, um, and I'm excited to see how this Concordia team does and uh, maybe they can shock some people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. It's, they have their work cut out for them certainly, but I, I would say I, with, with Lou Lamar alone, I think, I think they'll have a chance to compete. I'm very, very high on him, but that being said, that actually rounds out our, our South, um, our, Division One South preview. A couple overarching storylines before we conclude with the overall Division One rankings. So my first question is Walker, do you think, and you've I think you've answered this more or less with your with your um commentary on St. Thomas, but do you think St. Thomas can stay healthy and run the South? Something they couldn't do last year. Uh yes, hundred percent. Um if if they stay healthy, they will run the South. That's that is my prediction. And if they can stay healthy and run the South and be confident, they can make a run at the state title. 
That is my that is I, my short, sweet, to the point thing about St. Thomas. I think so. It's just it's it's a huge if. I mean, football is it's not a contact sport; it's a collision sport. And when you have when you have guys putting their bodies on the line, it's such a vicious pace and angle every single game. You know, there's going to be wear and tear, and there's also going to be freak stuff like what happened to Johan. So. I, I agree with you that if Houston St. Thomas stays healthy, looking at their talent, there's no way they shouldn't they shouldn't run the South. It's just a question of can the stars stay healthy throughout the season and continue to produce and not not get snuck up on by a team like Antonian or even someone like Central or Pius. But I agree with your sentiment. I do think St. Thomas stays healthy and runs the South. My second question is. Will the South even put up a fight against the North in the playoffs? The North, the South was was one in five against the North last year, and the the South champion lost to the second worst team in the North, as we described with Antonian versus Nolan. So, uh, you you can include St. Thomas in this discussion too. But do you think the South even puts up a fight against the North? I think St. Thomas separately, yes, they can. The other teams, like the Antonians and all of that, I think it's going to be definitely more difficult. Um, I'm going to say it's probably going to be around the same again. That's my prediction for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's just no reason not to say that. There's not a significant enough change in in talent in the South outside of St. Thomas for us to say, yeah, yeah, the South – Based on last year, the South is definitely going to be a lot better. It's just we're going off what we have to go off of. And, you know, I there there are some teams in the North that are down if you look at Nolan. But also Nolan, while not as down last year as they are this year, they weren't – they were down a little bit by Nolan standards, and they still went out and beat the South champions. So we will see. Um, I do think that is probably correct, though. I think the North is probably going to dominate the South pretty handily come playoffs. Uh, my last question regarding the South is, who do you think has a better chance of causing chaos in the South, Pius or Central? Say, maybe beating a couple teams above them, maybe even somehow putting up a fight against St. Thomas. Do you think, would you, would you gun to your head, do you think that would be more likely to be St. Pius or Central Catholic? Uh, I'll say St. Pius. Uh, some of the guys you have this team are very impressive athletes, so one of them has a breakout year, you never know. But uh, Central, the 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 interesting thing will be the quarterback battle and who steps out. And if they have a great year, uh, you never know. So, but I'll pick Pius for that answer. Yeah, I, I would think similarly. That's not just because Pius has, has always been very, very good to us and very nice to us. Central has too. But I, I do think that I would give the slight edge to Pius based on talent. And also it's kind of the, the ease of knowing who your quarterback is going into the season. I'll give, I'll give one thing to central Catholic. Central Catholic, Central Catholic has one of the best environments in all of private school and their home field. So they play Antonian and they play St. Pius at home. So you never know how that could go this year. So uh, you never know with Central Catholic. So that's a good point. We need to get to a game down there at some point. San Antonio is just is it's very far from both of us. But at some point, uh, that's a bucket list item. I've seen. Oh, I remember I was talking to some people at Regents last year, and I was there whenever Regents played at at Central, and they were like that. It's number one. Keep in mind how 
how good Regents fan base is typically. And even they were saying, we have never seen anything like Central Catholic. It's an absolute madhouse. So that's on our bucket list for sure. We're going to try to get out there. If we've gotten out to, to Lubbock before and, and Midland, we'll we'll find a way to get out to, hey, to that San Antonio. Is, I'm, I'm looking at their schedule right now. I'll kind of try to circle that Antonian Central Catholic game at Central Catholic next year. That should be a good one in October. That would be that would be absolutely insane. That would be wild. But that actually wraps up our conversation in the South. So before we get out of here, we are actually going to unveil our overall power rankings for Division One. We have already done our separate divisional rankings, but now we're going to look overall. So what better time to get into them than right now? At number one, surprise, surprise, Parish Episcopal, followed by Prestonwood Christian. At number three, we have Houston St. Thomas, following them, Bishop Lynch. After that, we have Antonian Catholic, followed by Trinity Christian Academy in Addison. Number seven is St. Pius. Number eight is Central Catholic. Number nine is Concordia Lutheran. And number 10 is Nolan Catholic. So, Walker, I think most of this makes sense, uh, given what we've talked about in all of our rankings. I think probably the most surprising thing would be dropping Nolan all the way to 10 under Concordia Lutheran. But just like I said with everything else, what are your thoughts on the structure of the rankings we've created? And is there is there any one spot you're kind of fixated to while looking at this? St. Thomas at number three. You can You can make an argument they can be higher, but they have not proved it. So you have to prove it to us to go higher. That's that's at the end of the day. That's what you. That's what uh, made us go at number three. Because talent wise, you know you're up there with one and two, but you have to prove it this year. Um, Lynch being number four. I mean, if you talk about the Lynch of a couple of years ago, you'd be like, really, like, like Bishop Lynch had kind of a down year the past couple of years, but you've seen the rise of them in Taps Division One, which you have to respect. Antonian. Uh, with knowing Antonio, they probably will prove us wrong again. They might go higher up. Uh, but uh, the six, seven, eight, nine, uh, ten, that's gonna be interesting to see how all that plays out this year. And hopefully, a couple of them play like uh, one plays the north to somewhere in district or like non district games, so we can kind of be like this kind of do what is the what is the term you always like to hate to use, but like the correlative, like one game that goes oh, this the transitive game. property. Yeah, so we can kind yeah, of use it's the... garbage. It doesn't work. <laughs> so hopefully, maybe use the transitive property to an extent for the those guys. I I, I say I'll refuse to use it because <laughs> it always bites me in the butt. But that's that's all I have to go off of early in the season. We'll see. I'll make some hot take based off of it, and then just get absolutely railed because of it. But yeah, I mean that is that is true i think saint thomas on paper you could put at number two and even could make a case for the most talented team certainly but at the end of the day um parish and prestonwood finished number one and number two in in division one last year and also i don't we don't rank teams solely based off of that that'd be kind of a lazy take and a, a shorthanded way to do it and the reason why they're staying there is because both of those teams have gotten an influx of talent as well as has St. Thomas. So while all three of them are pretty on par talent wise, Parrish and Prestonwood are the teams that have proven it and gone farther. I, I will say this about St. Thomas Prestonwood. They've transfers have been brought in Parrish to an extent, but they've still have a core group. Uh, St. Thomas didn't really have many transfers come in. Those guys just got older. So that could benefit them more maybe than the other squads where the team all know each other. So it could that could be a benefit for them. But uh, you never know. 
but maybe that's a little point that you can make down the line that if you see the success of St. Thomas, that could be a reason. That is true. St. Thomas is the definition of of dark horse this year. Um, I think, like you said, they're incredibly talented. Whenever you think, I was going to say, whenever you think of state championship contender um, in Division One, you think Parrish and Prestonwood, but really you just think Parrish. I mean, the past four years, I mean, how can you think of anyone other than Parrish? But now I think the the names that immediately come to mind are Parrish and Prestonwood, and people kind of forget about St. Thomas. I want to say one thing. The one problem with Parish Episcopal this year is how are they going to have to figure out their non-district schedule without that talented senior class that they had last year? Because you lose so much talent in that senior class, and you still have to play the likes of Alito, Bel Air Episcopal, Austin LBJ, South Oak Cliff, and China Spring. And last year, you can make the argument we were like, oh yeah, they can they can run the table with them, with the, which they almost did, besides the Oak Cliff field goal. So... But you lose all that got that class, and you still have talent, of course, and you know they'll they'll keep it close. But if you know if they lose hypothetically, right, Alito, they lose to Alito, Oak Cliff, and China Spring, for example. Okay, so they go three, they go two and three to go into district. Does that change the mindset of Parish Episcopal of maybe we're not the top dogs or you know something like that? Wes, I'm just trying to create a storyline here to create some uh, interesting thing. Luckily, they don't play uh, what week one in district, but uh, they play them down the line. But that could be something interesting to see. How does Parrish react to if they lose a couple of games in non-district? You know, I shook my head, but the more I think about it, the more I think that it could have a psychological effect. I was initially going to say, like, like regardless of the outcome, they're still going to be much more prepared than certainly any other team in division one going into the season based on the toughness of schedule. But that is a good point. That could be kind of um, an alarming wake up call because all those guys have heard for, for four years, how great that senior class was and how, how good they were with, with Trey, with Demery, with literally filling the blank of athletes. But right. I mean, if they, if they not only not only lose to like three of those teams, but if they get mollywopped in a couple of those games, that could, you know, let some let some doubt start to creep in. I will say, I think that would be an issue, like you said, it'd be a bigger issue if they played Prestonwood week one in district. If they have a few weeks to ramp up, that's gonna benefit Parrish, I think, then it's more that's gonna benefit Prestonwood. I, I do think kind of not just immediately throwing them into the fire with a test, but I think kind of giving them a conveyor belt of, of easier teams to beat might help ramp that engine up, but we'll see. I mean, we are still, still a long way from district play. It's yeah. just kind of speculation right now. We're, we're finding things to talk about and talking about them. But... That's probably the, the one storyline. The, the, the two storylines are how do you replace a senior class like they do at, at, at Parrish? And if they get hit in the mouth earlier in the season, how do they recover for the first time really ever in that parish team so not ever but first time in a while they get hit in, in the mouth while. maybe so uh it's gonna be interesting well Those first are- time since they played grace community in, uh, in 2018 so true so true all right uh yeah i think that's a good place to wrap it up <laughs> uh i i'm trying to think um i i quote or uh, no context sorry quote tweeted a, a tweet of the the private school football guys a while back and um i think it was it was a um it was a score predict yeah it was a score prediction of of grace versus parish my senior year and i think he had like it was like it was like 
parish like 57 yeah. grace 50 or something like that he said i i just pulled it up uh week three predictions who do you pick dallas parish episcopal over tyler grace 35 to 28 you were a he, they were only a seven point favorite we uh, i don't i don't think uh, i think that's when he was still texas taps guy and we um i don't think i i was like that aware of him back then i i lived in my own bubble back then i didn't really like I didn't really pay attention to anyone outside of our district. I just knew I had an intense hatred for Bullard, Brook Hill, and Gorman, and All Saints, and all them. But like, I found that tweet. Um, sorry, no context. Found that tweet a couple uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, and I, I and I and saw that, and uh, then I saw it, and I was like, um, I was like, in what world? Do you um do you have us holding that parish team to 35? But then again, we had come off two consecutive weeks of putting up like 63 points and 75 points on on Canton and Redwater. And if you would have watched Redwater play, you would have realized that that uh that St. Mary's School for the Blind could have probably shut them out. But I don't know how I got uh talking about that, but that's a no, nice it's little... it's it's interesting. Like I remember my high my my uh my senior year because my first ever game, I think I've told the story like earlier in the thing, but my first ever game was against parish. And when I was in division two and they had a kid that was going to Nevada to play football and someone else, they like New Mexico state on the defensive line. And they just torched me. Cause I was, I was like six, three, but I was skinnier at the time and they was not fun. But, uh, when my senior year, my coach was like, Hey, we're playing parish again. I was like, awesome. That's so much fun. And we got thrashed, of course. And so it's just it's funny looking back at those guy games and being like, oh, we get to play Parish. Oh, we get to play Parish. Like that type of thing. So um shout out to Novikov for ca- causing fear into every single private school kid's heart when you have to hear Parish Episcopal on your schedule. So um shout out to that. But yeah, no, I remember I was my senior year was we were playing sophomore Preston Stone. And again, I, I knew yeah. he was good, but like I, I had played a lot of like really talented dual threat quarterbacks before. And I didn't really I hadn't watched. I mean, I we watched tape on them, obviously, and I, you know, studied tape. But like in the tape that we had Stone, like he, he was throwing mostly from the pocket. He wasn't like super mobile, which now we know that. Preston Stone is one of the better dual threat quarterbacks that has come through tabs. But I remember, and first of all, this kid's a sophomore, so I'm not thinking of him as as Preston Stone, the Power Five athlete. I'm thinking of Preston Stone, the kid that's two years younger than me that I'm about to just waylay if I find him. Right, and at that time, Preston just came off his first year where he got all these offers, and everyone just knew the name, but no one really knew much about him. They just knew the offers and the name that came with them, you know? Yeah, nice. but I'm um, sorry. I was trying to wrangle my cat and bring Caesar in for his second appearance. But, but yeah, no, you didn't like you knew the offers and or you knew the name, but not really the offers. And I remember like I was like, oh, this kid's two years younger than me. I'm still gonna be able to like take him. And I remember he got. I was playing safety, and as what happened so often my junior and senior year, our front seven collapsed, and he got past them. And like I had an angle on him towards the sidelines, and I was like, I'm about to knock this dude into another zip code. I go and I put my shoulder pads down to just absolutely just just kneecap this dude, and I. I, I miss and I look up and he has juked me and he's going to the other side of the field. And my, I, I did it into my own sideline and my defensive coordinator standing over. What are you <laughs> but yeah, I, um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a long way of saying that, that Paris has been really good for a really long time. Yeah. I remember the Overton twins. We had a, we had a guy named 
his last name was Gonzalez, so we called him Gonzo, and he was our corner, so we called it Gonzo Island. And after the game against the Overton Twins, we called it Gonzo Resort because anyone could get let in. Um, so that's how that's how what I remember about that game. So uh, because they also had a, it was the running back for, before Cedric Benson, whatever that guy's name was, number twenty eight or whatever. Uh, he was pretty good too. So they had a couple guys that were just it was just an impressive squad that year. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were certainly a lot, better. and they didn't even win. Uh, I don't think they won state that year. The I don't no, think they. I think was that a was that a no win year? No, that was. I think no, that I was this. That was our. That was eighteen. So that was Stogner's. That was, was Stogner's year. So that was when Preston Wood beat uh, uh, Grant Canell, right? No, no, that was Bishop Dunn year. That was a Bishop Dunn year. Yeah, that was, was a, a Bishop Dunn year. Because that was Brian Williams and that squad's last year before it kind of went downhill. Good times. Yeah, I, for, I forgot that Bishop Dunn was like casually like the best team in taps for, for a while. But okay, anyways, uh, I want to say like uh, like to the people that are still listening to us talk about football. Um, do you does what am I trying to say? Do you y'all know more about schools and like other guys on other teams more than you would have without listening to us? Like is the, what we've done and like the media that has built up more around us, like around private school football, has that helped y'all know more about other schools than you would have without it? Like, let me know in the comments or DM us. Cause in high school, me and Wes always talk about, we're like, I honestly did not know the state championship winners of my division. Probably that the year or like I didn't know Fourth Christian won. I knew I only knew Fourth Christian won it my freshman year, like a year later when I looked back at it. Like I didn't know they won it the year of, but like now I would have definitely known listening to us, you know. So it's like knowing guys on other teams. Like I had friends on other teams, so I that's why I kind of got into this earlier. But like I was kind of the media member, and if I wasn't in like Texas high school football media while I was in high school, I probably would have not known as much as I did, you know. So like. It's just weird. It's just I'm I'm I wonder if this is like actually helping people, you know, learn more. Man, I hope so. I just remember every year after after playoffs ended or whenever we whenever we were done, I was so burnt out. I just checked out until track right. started. I was just like I was like I don't even want to see a football for like for like a year. And I love the game, but dude, it's um it, it's it's certainly a grind as as everyone knows. I mean, it's um it's I a think, lot. I think also we're just we're now doing just a podcast now. Like, it's like, I think also more than when we were in high school, social media is now a bigger thing for like Twitter and like putting your huddle film out there and all of that. Like, you're more in the know now with Twitter and other things about what goes on around you, even if, you know, you don't want to because you kind of have to with camps and all this now, you know. And uh, Mm -hmm. when I was in high school, like, I rarely did camps because I just didn't think much about it. But like knowing now, like that's exactly what you need to do and you know all this and there's so much stuff you have to do there to get recruited and get your name out there there's there's no more of just you're playing football for five years or four years and you get a guy college come to your school and be like hey we want to offer you like it happens but it doesn't happen as much anymore which is crazy no it really does um at the end of the day, I mean that's why we're here. I mean you're 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 listening to two guys that that went through 
played high school football, and also both both interacted with the recruiting process. So the Walker went farther than I did, but we both know the how all that stuff works. And at the end of the day, it's just trying to give you all trying to number number one is is promote what y'all do and and get everyone connected with each other and try to make this thing bigger and number two it's to give y'all advice i mean it's just to to tell y'all where we've been our experiences and try to like cut out some of the some of the stuff that we would have we wouldn't have done and try to make things a little more streamlined but at the end of the day we're on episode probably like 67 or something because because we enjoy it and because although just like the football season it's a grind at times i mean it's it's something that that we both quite frankly love to do so walker lot before i wrap us up anything you want to say before we get out of here uh i think we talked heavily about division one we're excited about it i think we have some games circled that we're excited about some storylines we're excited about and uh let's let's see how it roll rolls out it's a lot of changing in the air in taps division one and we're excited to see how it all pans out Absolutely. Uh, the every time that we start coming around to these previews every year, I get a little bit of a little tingling in my bones. It, it reminds me that I'm that much closer to hearing the bands walk out, the the crisp smell of fall air, and me me just sitting there with my iPhone doing this for three hours while I watch a sport I love like no other, Texas high school football. All of that being said, as always, I have been one half of your hosting crew, Wes Tallis, and Walker Lott has fantastically been himself. Keep an eye on our merch drop that will be out soon. I am so, so, so excited for that to hit the shelves. We'll see you on the next episode. It'll be the Division Two preview. See you later. Three, two, one. Here we go.